If you told me 15 years ago, Julio, you're going to be a farmer and you're going to sell fall bulbs, I would have been like, no, that's never going to happen. But every step that we have taken in our business has led us to a different revenue stream. Honestly, I encourage everyone to explore an avenue of business that they normally wouldn't think of. It's very uncomfortable in the beginning. There's just so many different obstacles that we all face. I mean, that's the thing with Instagram, like people don't really see that. So I feel like that's why I like to go to conferences and connect with people mm -hmm. because we can share more of that, like the realism that it is, you know, running a business. Mm -hmm. Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 614. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by SlowFlowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florist shops and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. And just for you attendees of the upcoming Slow Flowers Summit on June 26th and 27th, the folks at Farm Girl Flowers have given us a lovely travel candle that you'll find in your gift bag. It was popular last year and they brought it back. I also want to thank Stuart Cold, creators of the revolutionary Coolbot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. Save thousands when you build your own walk-in cooler with the Coolbot system and an air conditioner. If you don't have time to build your own, they also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. And Coolbot has generously donated a system valued at $375 as a door prize at the Slow Flower Summit. So if you're in attendance, your name might be drawn for this incredible gift. Today, I'm happy to share my recent conversation with Julio Fritas, owner of The Flower Hat, an event floral design studio and flower farm based in Bozeman, Montana. A longtime Slow Flowers member and past guest of the Slow Flowers podcast, We've been eager to bring Julio to the Slow Flower Summit stage ever since our first year in 2017. Julio's passion for floral design grew into flower farming when he realized he could successfully grow flowers despite Montana's challenging climate. We'll discuss how his floral enterprise evolves and changes, and he continues to develop educational resources to teach others how to succeed in business and thrive in floral design and farming. In our wide-ranging conversation, we'll discuss how Julio grows flowers for his own designs, devoting one half of the farm's production area to Dahlia tubers for the Flower Hat's successful online sales program, and trialing bulbs for fall sales. 
At the Slow Flower Summit, Julio will headline Day 2, presenting a one-hour mini-version of the Flower Hats popular workshop series, tailored for florists, growers, and farmer florists. He will discuss the Flower Hats' unique business model. Featured in numerous national and international publications, the common thread of the Flower Hats' wedding and events business are locally grown flowers, which Julio credits as a major distinctive for his studio's aesthetic and brand. Despite this short season, they're in USDA Zone 4B and the limited acreage. The flower hat maximizes production by carefully selecting crops that elevate arrangements, including those hard-to-find varieties and hard-to-ship varieties that bring floral designs to life. Julio can chat about business while also designing a floral arrangement. What a feat. Listeners, you'll want to click on over to the Slow Flowers podcast for episode 614 to watch his process and learn about how he approaches the centerpiece design using a low-footed bowl and chicken wire, along with status, Watsonia, carnations, ranunculus, and no foliage. It's a fabulous tutorial. So let's jump right in and welcome Julio Fritas. I'm delighted to uh, welcome you all here. Summer is upon us almost, and I know a lot of people have weddings this weekend or other flower commitments, so we're recording this to air tomorrow, Uh, but we are very, very lucky to have our special friend, Julio Fritas of The Flower Hat here. Hi, Julio. Hi, how are you, Deborah? I'm great. It's so good to see you. We've got lots to talk about, and um, the number one reason I invited you to share today is that this is the last Slow Flowers member meetup before the summit on June 26th and 27th. So excited. And I'm, so, I'm so excited that you'll be one of our featured speakers. Thank you for saying yes. Yes, we've been talking about it for a few years now and our calendars never lined up and I'm glad it did this year. I actually think you were on my wish list for June for uh, 2017, my first year. So now you you had room in your schedule and we're getting you to Seattle. Have you taught in Seattle before, Julio? I have not. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay. No, so I'm excited to come. I, and I love Seattle, but I, so I'm excited to go back. Yeah. It's one short flight away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The inaugural event. The Slow Flower Summit is June 26th and 27th. I'll put the link to register and I'll also put a promo code in there. We are... Um, uh, running a 10% off registration, although we're almost sold out, but we're running a 10% off registration until um, the end of the weekend, June uh, June 11th. And then I'll also share the Flower Hat website. So um, while, Julia, let's chat a little bit. And then you're, you are, you you did follow through with a completely last minute request of mine to say you're going to do a, a demo for us. So that's so sweet of you. Um Lots going yeah. on with yeah, lots going on with the flower hats, yeah. hat. So first of all, I started chatting with you before we before the recording that there are sort of three channels of of your energy. <laughs> I don't know how you can be three men in one, but you yep. you're a grower. You have this very <laughs> successful Dahlia tuber business. You're um, a floral designer, and you're also an educator. So mm-hmm. do you want to give us a little update on what's going on with uh, all those? chapters of your life and um we'll uh, i'll we'll just talk about that a little bit first of all thanks for having me here uh i'm so excited to come to seattle and speak uh i'm loving that we're doing this right now and getting people really pumped up for the for the summit i've only heard great things about the summit over the years so i'm excited to be a part of it this year so thanks for having me uh yes uh after covid we are back to we know i am back to teaching and being on stage again 
Uh, I love speaking. I love connecting with growers and florists. So that's a huge part of the education that I do. Um, and I'm excited to be on the road again. Uh, but besides speaking, we're also working on um, a number of uh, what we talked about modules, mm-hmm. uh, smaller modules of what makes a flower hat the flower hat. So all of the little uh, techniques that I've learned from, you know, what questions to ask a bride in a proposal uh, during a consultation or, you know, when to start your zinnias, how to plant dahlia tubers, uh, how to deal with a difficult customer <laughs> or, you know, a bridezilla, if right. you will. All of those little pieces, we're going to put those in education format, which is what we used to do in our workshop. So we're just taking a break this year from workshops to work on that educational material that will live on our website. Um, so I'm excited for that because that's one thing that people have always asked about. Some people can't make it to our workshops. It's a three-day workshop. It's, you know, you have to come, you have to leave your businesses and you have to stay here. Uh, so I understand that there are some challenges with coming here and people have asked us, can you please do an online class? Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to be offering that probably mm-hmm. starting next year. Um, on the Dahlia Tuber, we had the largest Dahlia Tuber sale we've ever had, ever, ever. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a sore subject, but I don't know if you remember last year when we had a sale and our website completely crashed. Um, our web commerce platform could not handle the volume of people that were trying to buy Dahlia tubers at the same time. Um, our e-commerce platform provided us with absolutely no customer service at all. They they said, sorry, we don't know what happened. So I promised our customers that we would have a brand new platform for this year. And we did it. <clears throat> We have a brand new um, um, online store that is hosted on Shopify and <laughs> not to advertise, but I'm so happy with their product. And <laughs> Maybe they ought to sponsor you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, the sale went off without a hitch, no crashes. Everyone was able to shop and have a, a very pleasant checkout experience. So I was very excited about that. And now we have our fall bulb sale coming up in October. I think it's going to be October 16th is the date that we're looking at. Uh, so I'm excited for that. I trialed so many different varieties of tulips and daffodils this year. So I'm excited to be offering those in the fall. And then in the weddings and events, there have been so many corporate events this year. We have so many lined up for summer for July and August. For but surprisingly coming, coming to the Bozeman, Montana area. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, to do three day, three day, four day, multi-day uh corporate meetings. Uh, I have signed some NDA, so I can't say who the customers are, but there are some really big corporate uh, corporations coming here to um, have their um, executives and managers on, like they go horseback riding and then they have dinner at night. And then the next day they have meetings all day and dinner. So I have to do flowers for all of these events. And most of them are themed, which is weird, but uh, (laughs) I'm here for it. (laughs) Uh, But surprisingly, we have no large weddings. We usually do like the big production weddings. For some reason, I have my own theory, which I'll share with you. But like the the small, the bigger weddings that we got used to doing, they're just not happening this year, nearly as many as there used to be. So we're doing plenty of weddings. There's still like a lot of small weddings. There's a lot of elopements. For some reason, there's a lot of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday weddings. Yeah. Um, but next year, we are we are already getting emails for the large wedding, the big productions for next year. And my theory is that because of COVID, and I've been talking to other like uh, wedding uh, industry vendors about 
<laughs> I'm like, is it me? <laughs> They're like, no, no, we don't have weddings either. Like, it's such a weird lull in this valley, which is a, a big destination for weddings. Uh, my theory is that because of COVID, people weren't meeting. So you meet somebody two to three years later, you get married. Because of COVID in 2020 and 2021, people weren't really meeting. So there aren't any new couples. And the ones that were together had to live in, live together. So they probably got, they probably <laughs> separated. Uh, that's crazy. But, so this uh, is almost like a, um, like a, a you're like a wedding counselor now and a therapist looking at what's happening with relationships. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, because it but, affected my business, right? <laughs> yeah, but thank God yeah. that the corporate people are dying to get together and do these yeah. destination retreats because that's, in a way, it might have its own stress, but it's a little bit less emotional than uh, than a, a wedding, I would imagine, to keep a corporate person happy, uh, client happy. Or is it stressful yes, in its own way? It's 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 stressful in its own way, mostly because these corporate wedding planner uh, corporate planners are so they just need it done. Mm-hmm. So they don't sometimes give you a whole lot of direction because they're trusting that you'll do it. So that's a little bit more stressful to present them with something that like I don't even know your company culture well enough to say this is what the flowers would represent. Mm. So. But so far, so good. good. <laughs> so far, Great. it's been fine. Say so our summer now is basically uh, smaller weddings and corporate events and a lot of farm work, basically. <laughs> and a lot of prep work for the, the education. So the yeah. uh, very popular two and three day destination workshops with the flower hat, you're really smart to think about how to change bringing that information to people because those... Those are, you know, they're an investment. And like you said, the travel is involved and um, it's, you want to reach more people. And so bite-sized modules of information, that's, it's almost like on demand. People can uh, come onto your, your new website and just choose the courses they want to take. Is that what you envision? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much going to be it. And you think you'll, you'll launch that for 2024? For 2024, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, It'll probably look, be summer of 2024. We look forward to that. On the Dahlia tubers, I mean, I okay. do remember that there was a little bit of a, like a little snafu last year. I think that you maybe you're still traumatized from it more than your customers. <laughs> <laughs> but why do you think that the flower hat Dahlia tubers are so popular? And like, there's because you can buy the tubers of, you know, Dahlia tubers anywhere. Everyone's selling them. Yeah. Just to pat yourself on the back a bit and tell us why you think. Why do you think this has been so important for you and and for your clients, your customers? Um, the I think it's because I because I am a a farmer growing dahlias for my own weddings. The palette that I favor is more. I'm gonna say dreamy, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. So I'm always on the hunt for the best burgundy dahlias. I'm always on the hunt for the best white dahlia. But at the same time, I really need a really good bluff dahlia, a really good peach. And in the process of selecting, there are so many dahlias that people don't even know that I grow because they're just not pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. find them pretty. I don't think that I, I don't think that I can use them in my design. So I think being the combination of a florist that grows its own his own flowers kind of helped me curate a Dahlia catalog that I hope people like. <laughs> right. Um, That's a really good yeah, point. So like it, 
Mm-hmm. So people, uh, you're, you're thinking as a farmer, you're thinking like uh, the end product in a bouquet or in an installation. Um, and from a designer, uh, you know, your visual art is so important. It's not just uh, the vase life or the, I don't know, the eye candy that, that of the primary colors that farmer's market customers are drawn to. You have a right. different purpose. Yeah, so I, I don't think my values would be um, I think we like it's a very different product to grow dahlias for, like you said, um, farmers market or CSAs versus a wedding. So mm-hmm. I think the palette is very different. Like I think most of the dahlias that I grow would probably not win a blue ribbon at a show. But I'm I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for dahlias that will benefit my design style. So event <clears throat> event event friendly dahlias. Yes, um, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Have you ever entered a dahlia in like the county fair or anything? No, I would, I would be so nervous. <laughs> Montana State Fair, t- go get a ribbon. <laughs> if my baby doesn't win, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> uh, well, you said you're going to do a design. And before we do that, I want to just ask you for uh, sure. some wisdom. It's a business question that I think everyone is afraid of and lives in fear of, of being hacked on Instagram. And tell us a little bit about the way I found out about it <sighs> is that, that somebody started messaging, messaging me from your account and was highly obnoxious. And I knew it wasn't you. And I think I took a screenshot and sent it to you. And you said that you had your account hacked, but it sounds like it was pretty extreme. Um, it was, it was, I lost it. Um, I got an email from Instagram saying your email has been changed, but I didn't think anything of it for some reason. I was like, oh, it's probably, <laughs> I thought that was the scam, <laughs> but the scam was me clicking on a link that I shouldn't have clicked. Oh. I got an email that looked very legitimate and I clicked on it. And from there on it all unraveled. Mm. I didn't even think of it like the next day when I went to open my Instagram and I was like, where's my Instagram? So that's when I went back to the emails and they said my phone number had been deleted. My two factor authentication had been turned off and uh, what was the, other? the email had been changed. And then my username was also changed. So it was such a nightmare mm. to try to figure out because you cannot get a hold of Instagram. There is not a 1-800 Instagram help me line uh, yeah. or help line, help me line, help me. <laughs> there is <laughs> no rescue plan <laughs> for them. For them, if a business account loses their account, it's more business for them because now you're going to have to spend more money on ads with them to promote your account. So they, kind of don't care i don't wow. think wow. i could this is just a theory allegedly yeah. i'm not i'm not saying that that's the truth that's what happened but that's how it felt to me um so a, a lot i i talked to some people that i knew in the social media world like a lot of people suggested a few things like oh make sure your authentication two factor authentication is on i'm like it was on of course it was on but we're past that point now yeah. how do i get it back yeah um what what worked was emailing Instagram every single day, twice a day. So there is there I, I found a, like there was a, a security because they send you all sorts of links 
if your account got hacked, here's what you do. I had already done all of those things. I got to a point where you send them a video selfie of yourself. They say like, turn to the left, turn your head to the left, turn your head to the right, up, down. So they like recognize that you are wow. who you are. Wow. <clears throat> I had sent that. They, I got an email back saying, you are confirmed. You, we recognize that you are who you say you are. But I still didn't have access to my account. And the reason was because my account had been suspended because the hacker, when he changed the email on my account from, from my email to his email, his email was connected to his Facebook account. And his Facebook had been um, deactivated for violating community guidelines. Mm -hmm. So obviously, my Instagram was immediately deactivated as wow. well. And since my account was suspended. So I... That, I Eventually, I also figured out this is just a theory. This is just a feeling. But I think a lot of Instagram's customer service is AI generated. The mm. responses are AI generated mm -hmm. because they it, it got it got as bad as Instagram suggesting that I reach out to the hacker to get their Facebook account reactivated. And only then they could reactivate my Instagram account. And that's when I was like, there's no way a person would suggest that. Right. <laughs> a human right. being would not suggest that. So what I did was I kept digesting the email in much simpler words that a computer could read. And I just kept rewriting the same email in many like, different ways to make me. it super simple. <laughs> yes. I, all, all I needed was for somebody to go into my account and take his email and put mine in there. That's all right. I needed. At the wow. end, I figured that out. So wow. I kept like digesting that email and digesting it. And then eventually somebody helped me and it took two weeks of back and forth. The thing is, they do respond. When you email them, they do respond to you. Every single email was responded. But again, like was, most of them were not very helpful. Yeah. Um, but wow. in the end, I think I got a human being to read the email and see what was happening. And then two weeks later, I got my account back. <clears throat> I learned you, so much from that. Did you retain experience. all your follower? Did you retain all your followers or did you have to start over? So, yeah, so I retained. So the hacker, there's a couple other things like the hacker emailed me directly and said, hey, hi, uh, it's me. I hacked your Instagram account. I'm just this, an engineering student uh, from Turkey. I don't live with my family and I really need money to pay my bills. So if you give me three thousand um, dollars, I'll give you your account back. I did not interact with that person because I was not about to give $3,000 because if his account was suspended, who was to say I was going to get my account back? And Oh my I, God. It wasn't worth my time to invest in that exchange. Um, the other thing is I had to factor authentication on. And looking back, I did receive codes from Instagram to my text message. And at some point, he got one of the codes to get in. I don't know how he got a code out of my phone, but he got it. I'm saying wow. he because I think the, the gender of the scammer is not relevant right now. But yeah. Um, yeah. he got he got the 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 code and got into my account. So that to me was the scariest part because that's the whole point of two-factor authentication that they don't have access to your phone. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I secured. I got back in there one day, changed all the information back, and then when my account was reactivated, I was able to secure the name again. I had all the followers. Um, I had many people like you text me and say, hey, is this you? So that was a little scary. I'm glad no one interacted with him. Um, and all the content was still there. Everything wow. could have been wiped. Thank God. Oh, it really, that, it, um, it really wasn't as bad it, as it could have been. But, but still, time mm -hmm. suck. Well, yeah. no, that person did call me a fool. <laughs> so... <laughs> When I said you're a, you're, a, I said something like you're a fake. You're not Julio. So interesting. I guess that's, yeah. that's just, you know, I guess the 
whatever the takeaway is, don't click on anything that comes from. Don't click on anything. You know, like I got, I get them from PayPal all the time. Like I've realized someone wants into my PayPal account and it's because anyway, you finally learned. So yeah, I'm glad you're there. And if any, and I'm going to put your Instagram in the (laughs) chat. So please follow Julio and show him, share him some love because he had to work hard for this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, Oh. A couple of nights of no sleep because you you just feel so violated. Yeah. I I had my account. I looked back. I had my account since 2011. Like you were an early years, adopter, completely right? gone. I was. I was an early adopter of Instagram. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, Julia. Well, we're going to get to see you in person uh, with your flowers. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on spotlight. And um, first of all, hey. thank thank you so much for saying that you would. I mean, I asked you yesterday. Oh, are you going to do a demo? And um, <laughs> you're like, Oh no, I wasn't planning on it. And I realized I had. Gotten greedy. So um, anyway, thank you for. <laughs> well, I have some flowers, so we're yeah. gonna do a little monochromatic um, arrangement here, Lovely. and we can talk while I'm designing. Yeah. So. so we've we've enlarged the screen so people can see what you're doing. Um, is okay. this one? Tell us about this shape of the bowl. Uh, is this something that you prefer for centerpieces, or is it just what you had on hand? So this bowl is my favorite shape to work with um if anybody is wondering what's in here it's just chicken wire and i'm being it's being held by uh floral tape um i don't i don't know how to use frogs quite frankly <laughs> so i use chicken wire a lot um but i love this shape because it allows for a really nice arrangement for a dinner table and it could be a long table then we make it long on the sides but if it's a round table you just make it round um i i love this shape just because i learned to design in a more organic, free garden style. Once I started growing my own flowers and you really start walking around your flowers and you start seeing how they behave, how the stems, the, the, the shape of the stems. Um, and I feel like this land, this shape of bowl lends itself to a very nice mm-hmm. um, arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have some flowers here. We're going to do like a peachy coral color palette. Lovely. Are these your flowers or, I mean, what's going on in your field right now? Is it still pretty early in the season uh, because Actually, of your elevation? Yeah, so I'm <laughs> many things on that note, but I, I forgot to, I wanted to go grab GM. The GM is in full bloom right now and I meant to go grab some for this. So I, I forgot about that. But uh, these flowers are from California and the, I have some really pretty carnations here that came from Holland. Um, so these unfortunately are not from my garden right now, but, um, I don't know. I was looking at pictures last year at this time last year, I was harvesting tulips. The tulips have come and gone this year. They are not, they're not here. They're, we have, I, we already harvested them. I photographed them. I documented them for the sale. Um, they were really, really early this year and I don't know. Uh, it's just been very hot here too. Um, we, I think our last frost this year was in early April and we haven't had one since. And I hope I'm not jinxing it at this point, but we usually yeah. have our last frost uh, Memorial Day. Right. And so then you been, feel like it you was can 45 plant, days early. <laughs> you can plant Dahlia tubers after Memorial Day, but, but yours were, yeah. do, you, you, do you do that or you don't winter anything over in the ground with your, you uh, not Dahlia tubers. Tomorrow. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 6,000. It's, it's not mm-hmm. a fun process to, dig them all up but we do it every year (laughs) i just have to say a couple things about what you're doing number one so many people Mm -hmm. do design tutorials standing behind the bowl facing the camera 
and it's mm-hmm. no and it, people comment constantly about how hard it is to design quote unquote backwards. So you you've solved that problem by stepping around to the sort of the front side, and you're designing as if you would in your studio. Then, like you're seeing the whatever the front is as you rotate. Correct. That. And that's really a, I don't I don't brilliant. know how to design from the back. Right. Or even if people just design here, then turn it. I'm like, well, no one saw what you just did. <laughs> well, I like the fact that your pedestal is tall enough that you're not bending over. You're able to just design right at eye level. So yep. that's fun. I'm going to try that. And I also have to say, I, I've i been seeing these um, posts of the pastel status and how beautiful that is. Mm-hmm. You're using it in mass versus like, I don't know, some little textural element you're is it because the color is just fits so nicely with your palette because that's a lot of um a lot of status that's making a a major part of the of the design i'm i want to see what else you do but like we're going to notice that when you're finished right yeah you will and i'm using the status as my granary because i don't have any granary in Ah. this arrangement i really Mm -hmm. wanted it to be a color block um color block arrangement and I figured I could forego the greenery this time and use the status as um um as my base as the the frame for the flowers yeah we're really seeing that the lines very clearly with the status too yeah so then once the arrangement is done you'll be able to see all of it um and it'll be like you said the status will be a big part of the arrangement Mm. and I love yes I love this status um I don't know where to get seeds for it. Look how pretty it is. Oops. Uh, there's some farmers is. coming to this the Slow Flower Summit uh, who've been posting pastel status on their feed. So I'll make sure I hook you up with them and you can maybe uh, yeah. work a little negotiation on that. <laughs> yeah, status grows really well here in, in Montana. But traditionally, and it's been the, the yellows and the purples and the whites that people have been able mm-hmm. to get seed for. Yep. And I'm telling you, importing this from Holland is not cheap. So I'd love to grow it here. Well, Julio, how does that work for you? Do you import X percentage and then try to grow everything else yourself? Or what what has evolved in terms of the 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 sourcing um combination for your for your events and your your own, you know, custom work? Mm-hmm. So luckily for us, most years, I think this year included, we have enough weddings on the books by March that we can plan our crops around for the summer. Uh, we can plan our crops around these events. A lot of the events we have, they want wildflowers <laughs> and colorful. So for us, that's great because we can use a lot of zinnias, larkspur, um, even dahlias later in the summer. I can use a lot of ranunculus and anemones. People love anemones because they think they look like poppies. Um, so in the summer, it's a lot more, I would say it's a lot more um, from the farm than imported. Sure. But in the winter, we we pretty much import most of our flowers. And by importing, I mean we bring them in. A lot of them come from California, so we're sure. not necessarily importing everything from Holland itself. Um, but in the winter, when we do our uh, home uh, clients or residences, they 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 need flowers that last seven days, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very hard to find. I have to source them from places that are growing flowers that are 
bread for transporting, for being out of water, because I know they're going to be tougher. So we bring a lot of lisianthas in um, and a lot of um, ranunculus, a lot of anemones, um, and people are pretty happy with that. Um, some of those come from Holland. Some of those come from California. I usually, mm-hmm. I our wholesaler is in Spokane, Washington, and they send a weekly list um, every week. And I try yeah. to source a lot from them because also shipping is easier and I know what I'm getting. Um, but if I need some specialty flour, then um, I go to the Holland auction. Got it. Okay. This, this is called Watsonia. Oh, right. It's a relative of a gladiolus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so really pretty. I used it for the first time this weekend. <clears throat> so it's really great for like establishing lines. It's a little stiff for what I like to use. Um, in fact, um, Amy Balster is the one that taught me that you can establish lines with flowers that are not necessarily a line. So I actually always, I, she, she told me that one time and I always took that to heart. So I like to create the line, like I cut the stem shorter and I will build the line from the tip of this flower all the way down here, just by cutting the stem shorter instead of just having one long sure, stem. Sure. It just, oh, so it's kind it of like creates a, um, a lot more. A composition line that is yeah has more than one element yeah uh, and i'm also excited to see amy because i love her yes <laughs> i know you're gonna have a little flower flower uh reunion um you know what i yeah. like about that watsonia i have grown that before is um the actual individual florets are are tinier than what you see in a gladiola so it kind of fits mm-hmm. a little bit more of that um you know softer scale it's not so graphic yeah. Right. It's more delicate, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. It was, well, like I said, it was my first time. I think it's a spring bloomer. Yeah, it might um, be on your on your uh, bulb list next fall. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm going to have to get some. Um, and I feel there is a, there's a lot of um, contrast happening between these two colors. Mm-hmm. But my, my goal is to start with the star contrast and then bring them together with other flowers. Mm. <clears throat> do you mean the for lack of a better term the boldest and the palest and then you're going to move toward whatever blends those two mm-hmm. yep and i have some really cool colors here to do that with mm. i really like your asymmetrical shape because usually you see the a, true a true s where the the higher you know the hogarth curve or whatever where the higher portion is upright and the lower portion is draping but your lower portion is not so much draping but kind of creating that more extended arm um maybe that's because of the flower i don't know uh yeah i usually don't drape anything below like if this tape is here um i always tell my um the designers here at the studio like if you see a lot of this tape at the end just go ahead and pull it because i don't want to sacrifice the shape of the arrangement for to hide mechanics, so I'll just remove the mechanics once the arrangement mm-hmm. is done, and I know it's safe to remove it. Because um, the chicken but, wire is going to hold everything in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and there will still be like a like a tic tac toe of tape in the middle. Yeah, so that should be enough to hold it together. Interesting. So don't let the design be dictated by hiding tape. Yeah, I see a lot of t- a lot of designs that are like heavier on greenery just because of um, 
mechanics, like you want to hide the mechanics, which yeah. I agree with. Uh, but sometimes I think I even my, I let myself go too far with the greenery and then you lose the shape of what you're going for. And I want it always to be light and um, I really um, want it to be effortless look. Yeah. But um, you lose that if you start just like shoving things in there just for the sake of hiding um, mechanics. Hey, anybody who has questions, pop in. Uh, Monique Morris just sent a comment that says gorgeous. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we'll take that, right? <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, it's really, um, I don't know, sultry, I guess, is the word that comes to mind, like this sort of colors that aren't well-defined and they just yeah. play nicely together. What do you have there? All right. I that's carnations. That's definitely imported, I take it. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> all right. Well, because uh, it's is... so beautiful, we'll let you have it. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> um, this is uh, Happy Haru is the name of it. Um, and I always like to uh, buy flowers from um, um, by the name because I think it's so important to recognize the, the variety. People, you know, the breeders put so much work into um, mm-hmm. uh, uh creating these varieties and i think it's very special to honor them like dahlia tubers i think is the same way um so so say the name of it again it's called happy aru h-a-r-u okay happy aru all right yeah it's also kind of a um in that muddy category but i mean that in the most positive way yeah for sure um yeah and i really hope that i had some um tulips from the farm to use in this design but i went in the cooler today and they were a little sad so um we'll your take, arrangement is we'll, <laughs> we'll make an it. exception this time <laughs> well you said you're also going to send me uh, or post a photo of the finished product product so yeah. we'll um we'll if you if you decide to go get that gm and top pop it in later we'll, we'll oh perfect surprised. okay um yeah. it's it's the my tie one and see how you're making that line with the with that you were just talking about, you did it with the Watsonia and now you're doing it with the carnation. I love that. Yeah. And I keep extending that because uh, I think it's nice for your eye to have uh, like a path to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the layering process of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking of carnations, um, I'm really noticing that a lot of people are growing carnations, uh, which is very exciting to me at least because there aren't that many carnations that are grown in the US anymore. anymore. And I think the last... Didn't the last carnation farm close a couple of years ago? Yeah, that it was a Japanese family in yeah. Can- in California, and they just they hung on. I was on. just about to hop in and actually ask about this because I've tried growing carnations, and obviously, even the seed stock that we have access to here in the U.S. can be somewhat limited. So, Julio, are you growing carnations? Do you have any tips for those of us who want to get in on the carnation game here in the U.S.? <laughs> Um, so I've had carnations be perennials in, on my farm. Uh, they're not that hard to grow. Um, I think it's a matter of educating the customers as well, that the carnations that we can grow here, that we have, like you said, the seeds that we have access to, they're not this big. The heads aren't this big, but they have a special place in especially design, uh, for, um, um, I'm, I'm just going to speak to event florists, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure depending on the colors that you pick, the um, they would definitely benefit um, like market um, CSA bouquets and market bouquets. 
Um, but they're not hard. They're actually not that hard to grow, at least like in my experience here. Um, they, like I said, they can per- perennialize. I am in zone 4B. Um, and we actually had really good success with them. We just had to rip them out because they were in a bed that we needed to put peonies in. So I actually kind of messed up. <laughs> Uh, was it and more? Think, were they a smaller heads, like more on the dianthus side, or because um, isn't it a, a dianthus family? Yeah, so th- they were probably half this size. Okay, but they were so fragrant. They were so incredibly fragrant. That's the difference that I notice on our farm. Is the scent is incredible. I feel like all I've really found access to are pinks and reds in terms of seed stock, but the mm-hmm. smell is so great for anybody who's not growing them. You have to try it. <laughs> Um, it would be it would be great if somebody could isolate them and to start separating the colors because I think we can only find them in um, in a mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it would be great to be able to have the separate colors. Mm-hmm. Kind of what happens with poppies too. Yeah, where you can't get that unique apricot isolated in enough quantity to not have polka dots in your <laughs> in your beds. Julio, do you grow, you have high tunnels as well as field crops, right? I only have field crops. Oh, okay. Yes, we put, we put low tunnels up. And those are for more of the early spring bulbs? Uh, those are for spring bulbs. Uh, we will sometimes overwinter. Um, so we, we did this a couple of years ago. We're going to do it again this year. We will overwinter um, foxglove, poppies, uh, all the biennials will under will overwinter those under a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Great. And <clears throat> yeah. Do you think that you're gonna because of the land limitations that you probably wouldn't put a high tunnel uh, install a high tunnel in, in the future? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you really want to be? You're having an existential crisis here. Are you a florist no. or a farmer? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's because I um, my staff knows this. Even with the low tunnels, uh, like as I'm designing this, I'm looking at the highway right there, and it's a very busy highway. This highway takes you to Yellowstone Park. It goes from the airport to Yellowstone Park. It's incredibly busy. Uh, And my biggest fear is the wind that comes from the south here will pick up the plastic and take it to the highway. (laughs) Got it. It's an ir- it's an irrational fear, I think, but it really it really gets to me, and I just can't not put high tunnels up for that reason. Hey, <laughs> it stops I mean, me. <laughs> you have there's only so many windbreaks you can plant when you know when you're you have no, I mean you're in the big sky country, you know. Yep. Yep. Okay. Does California count as local? Yes, those ranunculus are charming. Yeah. Look yes, at that palette. So pretty. Oh. Yeah, they're they're just about. I think they're just about at the end of their season in in California. So uh, we were able to snag some for this wedding. Mm. Um, but I think this is going to bring it all together now. Mm. It's a, such a good example <clears throat> of designing without foliage. Like there's, it's lush and full and textural, and you don't need foliage at all. I love I love yeah. that lesson. And, and, you know, there's a conversation to be had about pricing as well, because I think a lot of the times we think because it has more foliage, it costs less. <laughs> You're like, well, there's still a lot of labor involved in that process. So um, sometimes that is true, but sometimes it is not. So it's a matter of 
uh, always putting pen to paper to realize what your pricing needs to be for your mm -hmm. arrangement. And you can play with your recipe, you know, all you want to make it cost effective for the client. If you're dealing with budget, um, if you have a little bit more leeway, then you, like there's there are some foliage, uh, some foliage types that are very expensive to get. So sometimes having more foliage doesn't necessarily mean cheaper or not having foliage doesn't necessarily mean that it's super expensive either. Yeah. Um, I, hate... I think it just depends on what you're going for. Yeah. Um, Kim Gruder, yeah. who is um, also with um, Salty Acres Farm, has a question. I'm going to see if I can put Kim's. Uh, Kim, you're off. Your mic is enabled. So oh, there we jump go. In. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear me. Um, Hello. Hi. Uh, GOC yeah. does carry a pastel status. It is a mix. Um, and it's hard mm. to um, it only came available, like if you put in an early order, you couldn't get it until after February. But they do carry a pastel mix of status. And it's an early bloomer. So that's really kind of nice. This is the, the geo seed, you said? Geo seed, yes. Okay. Um, there's another question, uh, Julio, about using the chicken wire. And could you just restate what you're using to anchor the chicken wire in the bowl? You're just using the tape, right? Uh, yes, I'm just using tape. It's a quarter inch floral tape. And is the chicken wire in a ball or a, a dome shape or just mashed in there? Uh, it's a ball that's mashed in there. Yeah, yeah. Because you want <laughs> yep, multiple points of contact for the stem, right? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. As long as you have uh, enough like ch layers of the chicken wire all the way down at the bottom, um, then your arrangement is going to be secure. That's the whole idea behind the chicken wire. Because if you only have one layer, the, the flower keeps... Um, yeah. It doesn't stay stable. Oh. It won't stay where you want it to be. There's that little quirky guy. Right? Let's honor it. Yes. I love a wild ranunculus stem. Me There's too. A, a flower creator called the Wonky Stem. And every time I see his username pop up, it just makes me smile because I love that name so much. I'm like, I love the Wonky Stems. <laughs> Listen, I've been talking about the Wonky Stems for a long time. When <laughs> yes. you get these, when you, that's why I love local flowers too. But when you get these flowers, all the stems are so straight. They're perfectly straight. You're like, well, that's not fun. Like, you give me the wonky stems. Have a wonky stem program where you sell all the weird funky stems <laughs> and we'll love it. Yeah. I want to know in the comments, has anybody else gotten straight flowers from a wholesaler and tried to make them wonky using wire and then come to regret it? Because <laughs> I know I have. I've broken flowers trying to wonk them. <laughs> the new, the new verb, to wonk. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So it looks okay. like we have another question here from Andrea, um, and she wants to know what percentage of flowers do you grow versus what do you source for your design? Also, how many acres you grow? And I feel like you touched on this a little bit before, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, if you if you don't mind sharing a little. So yeah, so our um, the I think what the one thing that I forgot to mention uh, when we were talking about this earlier is that our production has changed a little bit because I. It, if you told me 15 years ago, Julio, you're going to be a farmer and you're going to sell fall bulbs, I would have never, I would have been like, no, that's never going to happen. But every step that we have taken in our business has led us, led us to a different um, like revenue stream. And I think that's kind of true for most people. Like you don't really think about doing CSA bouquets 
or maybe you do and that's your plan. But then all of a sudden you're seeing that people, when they come to pick up the flowers, they also want to go cut. So you start experimenting with you, uh, you, you pick a model, mm-hmm. and like one thing leads to another. So we used to, the bottom line is like, we used to grow a lot more for our own events in the summer. I would say like, it was probably like an 80, 20, where 80% came from the farm in the summer and 20% was brought in. Uh, we only have one acre <laughs> of um, uh, growing space. Half of that is dahlia production for dahlia tubers. So we use most of the flowers in the summer as dahlia. So I try to grow some different shapes as well. Like in whites, we have, you know, like platinum blonde is a, an anemone dahlia. And then we have balls and like larger dahlias, just depending on the type of arrangement that we need to make. Um, so half half of our production is dahlias. The other half, the other not the other half, I would say another 20% is perennials, shrubs, uh, things that we can use for design. But another big part of our production has now turned to trials. So I have to trial all the ranunculus and all the anemones that we sell. I have to grow them. Um, Elizabeth was out there with me. Um, She was out there for the dahlias, but also for ranunculus. We're literally out there with a ruler trying to see the heights of all the varieties. We take notes like daffodils was the same way. Which one is more fragrant? Which one has the stem length for to be a cut flower? If they're really short, most likely, I don't want to sell it because I know that my clientele is expecting a uh, flower to be a cut flower um, variety. So there's a lot of space in our production that's dedicated to that. And when it comes to like fall bulbs, I have to let those tulips really blow open. I have some Stella Rheinfeld in the cooler that are insane. Like you will never get a, a, a tulip like that from a wholesaler because they're so big and I let them fully open and put on quite the show. Um, so I think just over the years with how our business model has changed, our production and the percentage of what we get is it flown in versus grown has changed a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And we used to do a lot more weddings in the summer, but now we're doing less weddings in the summer, but we're doing like more of these corporate events. And, you know, when we're doing um, uh, workshops as well, like, the need for flowers for workshops aren't quite the same as the flowers that we would need for a wedding. So like we have more freedom to grow more for more fun stuff for the workshops. And then people get to see some different things that they probably wouldn't see like perennial geranium, for example, like mm-hmm. it's so beautiful, but like, yeah, you can't sell that as a cut flower because it just mm-hmm. doesn't last. So like I would grow that to use in a wedding because I know it can last for a day and that's about it. Julio, so I don't know I... if that answers the question, but. Um, no, I think that's really a good question. Like you're you're limited with your land, and now your land is producing for a different purpose than just cutting. So, mm-hmm. um, I wanted Correct. to add though, don't you also buy from Farm to Florist Montana, uh, the co- the collective that is um, uh, marketing from other farmers in the state? Yes, I love Jamie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he's, yeah, he's sort of in st- your, he's in your backyard every week, probably with deliveries. Yeah. He comes every week. Um, I think it's on Wednesdays. Um, actually just got an email from him about availability. And, um, yes, we, because I know, I know that they're going to have purple status and I know they're going to have Snapdragon. So I can forego all of that in my production and I can focus on the things that I know he's not going to grow. Um, like, uh, Jewels of Opar. Mm-hmm. It's a little harder to find, but like, I love it. I, I can use that almost every week if I want to. Wow. wow. And 
yeah. So I also, and there, there used to be another flower farm here in town that I used to buy a lot from. Uh, I kind of had like more of a, not a standing order, but I used to get something from them every week just because I knew that their product was really good. Yeah. So yeah, it's a mix. It's a, And it's back to what you said earlier about if you had been told 15 years ago that you would have a bulb business, uh, you know, your, your, your openness to course correcting every season based on what was successful and what your, your customers want is why you, I guess, stay, I mean, stay challenged and interested in your own business and why people want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, <laughs> I appreciate the recognition of that because honestly, I encourage everyone to explore a, 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 an avenue of business that they normally wouldn't think of. It's very uncomfortable in the beginning. Like I do not wish on anyone that decides to grow Dahlia tubers that their website crashes. <laughs> but <laughs> right. like, don't let don't let that be the thing that stopped because it happened to me. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen to anybody. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's just so many different obstacles that we all face. And I mean, that's the thing with Instagram. Like people don't really see that. So, and I feel like that's why I like to go to conferences and connect with mm-hmm. people because we can share more of that. Like the realism that it is, you know, running a business. Well, we're thrilled that you're going to be at the summit. You're going to be talking about this whole um, kind of niche that you're in, which is growing luxury flowers for luxury weddings. But I'm Mm -hmm. thinking now you might also be talking about events as well, corporate events as well as weddings. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I feel like the, the, the growing part of it, um, um, understanding, looking at trends and understanding who your client is, who potential clients could be, is really what helps you narrow down your cropland to make sure that you can sell the stems that you're growing. There's really nothing more frustrating than walking out in the field and you're like, yeah, I have nowhere to sell these. (laughs) And I have not mastered that, but we have definitely gotten better over the years. And that's what I'm hoping to share at the summit is, you know, the steps to get there, the things to look for and, um, you know, the flowers to grow and that kind of stuff. Okay. I'm going to pull this because like I said, I didn't hide a whole lot of tape. Yeah. It's impressive. And we're, we're, we've got a few more minutes. So this is a good wrap up and um, uh, we'll all check out the flower hat on Instagram to see um, just the final photography. And your photography is amazing. And you've worked hard at shooting all of your own, um, arrangements and mm-hmm. tutorials and all. So I love that you're going to have a workshop coming up next year on how to photograph your flowers. One of your modules. Yes. Yep. Um, it doesn't take much, but uh, that is one of the things that we covered in the workshop is once um, the students made their their um, centerpiece or their bouquet, like we go to like a place that is conducive to good photography. And we talk about the do's and the don'ts of photography. And that alone is a whole hour conversation on what you do. So um, that'll be coming up next year too. Hopefully sooner, but next year for sure. That's wonderful. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up, Julio? That is so stunning. And you're so generous to share that with us on, on the, in the virtual studio today. I will add the GM for sure because I think it needs it. And I will take a photo of it. And I'm just going to pop a couple of pockets here. Uh, what I'll probably do is the same thing that I did with the carnations on this side. Like it's a little grouping, kind yes. of like what you would do in a garden. I, um, I will pop the GM here to kind of create more of like a, a bridge between all of these flowers and bring it all together. Mm. Um, 
otherwise, I will see you at the summit. Um, uh, we, another question that people ask me a lot. <laughs> yes. Another question that people ask a lot is about hats. Um, yes. People have been wanting hats since COVID hit. We have been having a very hard time sourcing hats, uh, but we have secured a few. So they're going to be coming out for sale. And I think they are on the way now. Uh, we had some um, <laughs> orders cancel on us again because of COVID. Uh, but hats are coming. Uh, again, working on education materials for the uh, for the coming year. And we are also, this is a, an, an, uh, an end for the Slow Flowers audience. We are rebranding our entire brand. I'm so excited to share our new logo. Uh, my marketing manager almost quit on me because we have been trying to get this logo finalized for about six months. And branding is something that is so personal to me. I built the brand. Like if you see the hat, I drew that hat by hand and I had a very hard time letting go of it. But he, <laughs> he presented me with a new hat and I said, the hat is great, but the font, that's not it. The font is going to be like a pair of jeans. When you put it on, you're like, that's it. And for six months, that poor man... <laughs> inundated me with fonts and I was like nope that's not it and he's like Julia we just need to make a decision I'm like I'm making the decision that that's not it when I see it I'll like it and wow. then the last one he showed me he said okay I just went on a limb I did something totally different it's not at all what you're asking for it's it doesn't check any of your boxes but I figured we would just take a departure and take a leap from where we were wow and sure sure enough I looked at it and was like oh that's it and he's <laughs> wow. like yeah I I thought that this, I'm like, nope, you don't even need to explain it. I get it. I see what's happening. That's exactly a representation of our brand. Uh, so I'm excited to share that. We have a cold color palette happening. It's going to be so beautiful. And I'm excited to have like all branding cohesive now. Uh, and that's going to happen very, very soon with a brand new website. So I'm oh. so excited for all of that. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I have a flower, flowery flower hat that I bought from you several years ago. I will make sure to sanitize it and then I'll bring it to the, I'll bring it to the slow flower summit as a door prize. Cause that would be, if someone could get then you to sign the back and with a Sharpie, that would be priceless. Well, I'll, br I'll bring one of the new ones. All righty. Woo. All yeah, right. Let's do that. Okay. That sounds it's, it's, awesome. Instead, like instead of throwing the bouquet, I'll just throw the hat to the audience. Oh my gosh. We're going right. to need security protocols. It might get pretty <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Julio, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This has been so much fun. Our audience was really privileged to spend this time with you and we'll be sharing this online for all those folks who couldn't join us this moment. Oh, there you go. You got your camera. Um, and, and we'll, and we'll just, um, just tell you heartfelt how much we appreciate your generosity in the Slow Flowers community. You're always willing to to share your knowledge and um, it means a lot. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Well, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for all that you've done for the flower community in this country and abroad. Um, I know, I hope that you know the imprint that you have in making local flowers a um, movement in mm. this country. I think you, you're very aware that you have a hand in that. So mm. I'm sorry that not all of my flowers were local, but <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> I no. will make sure to add to add <laughs> some of the flower hat grown GM in there just oh, so we can get great. a little bit of that flavor. That sounds great. Bye, everybody.
Thank you so much for joining us today. As always, I feel like I could chat with Julio for hours. And I want to mention, you heard a few other voices in this episode, including Tonley Gruder of Salty Acres Farm, our Slow Flowers membership manager. Tonley helped facilitate our June Slow Flowers member meetup when we recorded this, and I asked her to field questions and make sure that our attendees' comments were shared during the session. As I mentioned, you can watch the replay video in our show notes for episode 614 at slowflowerspodcast.com. And there you'll find photos that Julio shared of his final arrangement with the sparkly edition of GM Flowers from the Flower Hat Farm. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign, where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. And for Summit attendees, you'll find a creative gift from Red Twig Farms in your gift bag. A combo water bottle, drinking cup, and travel towel, perfect for summer camping or any outdoor floral activity. If you're still thinking about attending the Slow Flower Summit, we're just two weeks out and there are only 10 spaces left before we sell out. Remember, Slow Flowers members, you already enjoy $100 off as a member benefit. So there's lots of savings when you come to the Slow Flower Summit. And remember, one of you might go home with a coveted gift from the flower hat, a floral cap from Julio. A final thank you goes to Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top-quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market is providing the flowers that Julio will use in his demonstration at the Slow Flowers Summit. They're also co-hosting our after-hours tour and reception with Mayesh Wholesale Florist on Tuesday afternoon. We're so grateful to them. So much floral goodness is happening. Thanks for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than one million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'll see you next week. Next week.